Welcome back to another episode of the Pixelated Podcast brought to you by GeekLegacy.com. Justin and I are here to talk about this week's most exciting news in the world of video games. I also figured out my Skype issue so the mic sounds nice and clean this time. And if I'm lying to you, then oh well. Justin, how are we doing today? I am fabulous, Stephen. Thank you. All right. Uh, let's get into our first story here. Uh, Microsoft had kind of a whirlwind of a week, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I was just in bed last night and as like events were unfolding. Like I first started in the morning and then at, by the nighttime when the, when the matter was resolved, I was just kind of chuckling and my my titties were jiggling. I was laughing so hard. Well, but I'll allow you to continue this. <laughs> well, you can't say that complaining on the Internet doesn't work in this day and age because clearly it does. Sure. So Microsoft started off by announcing that they would be nearly doubling the price for the Xbox Live Gold subscription, uh, marking up the six month subscription specifically to fifty nine ninety nine, meaning you're paying one hundred twenty dollars for the full year just to access the Internet on your Xbox console and play with your friends. Uh, it seemed like a move to persuade more users to the Game Pass Ultimate deal, which ended up being cheaper around the same. Do the math, but basically it ended up being a better deal one way or the other, as it includes a subscription to Xbox Live Gold for no additional cost, if you will. Uh, after tons of backlash and upset users online, angry Twitter and Reddit posts, Microsoft issued the following announcement saying, quote, <clears throat> we messed up today and you were right to let us know. Connecting and playing with friends is a vital part of gaming, and we failed to meet the expectations of players who count on it every day. As a result, we have decided not to change Xbox Live Gold pricing. We're turning this moment into an opportunity to bring Xbox Live more in line with how we see the player at the center of their experience. For free-to-play games, you will no longer need an Xbox Live Gold membership to play those games on Xbox. So think of your Fortnites, um, even Destiny 2 is free-to-play this day and age. So those games, you don't need a subscription uh, anymore. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Call of Duty Warzone. Same Call thing. of Duty Warzone is another one. Uh, we are working hard to deliver this change as soon as possible in the coming months. If you are an Xbox Live Gold member already, you stay at your current price for renewal. New and existing members can continue to enjoy Xbox Live Gold for the same prices they pay today. In the U.S., which is $9.99 for a month, $24.99 for three months, and $39.99 for six months. And fifty nine ninety nine for retail twelve months. So, not only did um, the angry user base change Microsoft's opinion, but they actually found a way to make Xbox Live a little bit better, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Sony specifically, and even Nintendo, they have always said that if a game is free to play, you will not need an online subscription of any sort in order to play. So, Microsoft being the only company to have that practice, uh, not anymore. Now they have joined the ranks of everybody else. Right. And remember, they were one of the I think you actually pointed this out several years ago when we began this podcast was that you even needed to have the gold subscription to even use Netflix at one point in time. Yeah. Online apps, period, required yeah. Xbox Live Gold, <laughs> which was <laughs> absurd to me. <laughs> and <crazy>. this was... <laughs> This was just a really interesting situation because like I was talking this out with a couple of people, friends and Twitter strangers alike. Uh, first and foremost, I didn't realize games like Fortnite required you to have Xbox Live Gold. Um, I didn't even realize that. I didn't even think about it. I, but I also don't follow Fortnite as I do certain other games. Um, the doubling of the price definitely was a huge, huge issue. Going from 120 for the whole year to 124 six months is quite ridiculous 
I would say so myself. And it is really funny because, like I said, I do feel like this was an effort to persuade more people to use Game Pass Ultimate or to go to that subscription. But I feel like you could have sweetened the pot with Xbox Game Pass and said, oh, if you have a current subscription, we'll give you Game Pass for, I don't know, a dollar for each of the next three months as like a trial basis, something like that, versus jacking up the prices and trying to persuade people to leave the building that way. Mm-hmm. It's easier to tell people to calmly leave this building. We're shutting it down in an hour versus there's a fire. Get out. Right, right, right. It's crazy that there was a meeting where this conversation happened. They're like, yeah, this is a good idea. <laughs> Especially during like a pandemic. People are losing their jobs, their loved ones. And we're still going to take more money and give them half as much value. That's a <laughs> tough conversation to have. And someone got an attaboy out of it, which is remarkable. Do you think somebody in that room was saying, this is a terrible idea, don't do it, and everyone laughed at them? And then when they came back after all this backlash, there's that person, well, 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 how the turntables have turned. (laughs) I know, I know, exactly. I hope so, because like, our company actually is really good about hearing ideas. And so everyone, whether it be 30 people in the room or two people in the room, your ideas get heard. And we all spitball and turn a good idea into a great idea. Um, so, you know, that communication is there. And I, I hope and pray that that this was just someone going rogue and thought this was a great idea. And it turns out it wasn't because of, as a no, collective, no, no. they thought this was a good idea. That's just a real shame. That just after so many years of fighting this uphill battle to have the most amazing service, I they took a big leap backwards and that's unfortunate. Luckily, most of the people that I saw on social media yesterday were definitely like, oh, wow, awesome job owning up on this mistake. Glad it's taken care of and glad it's behind us. Uh, No real damage was done short of just the announcement. I don't believe there were too many human beings on this planet that paid sixty dollars for. What, six months worth of service? So I didn't read this part initially, but at the time, or even this might even still be an option right now, um, Microsoft has announced that if you upgrade your gold membership to Xbox Game Pass, your remaining gold time will also convert directly to Ultimate. For example, if you have 11 months of Xbox Live Gold now and you upgrade to the Game Pass Ultimate, those 11 months convert to 11 months of Ultimate at no additional cost. Right. So yeah, they've they been doing were, that for a while. Yeah, they were giving them basically a trial run to say, we want you to do this ultimate service, which I still hold is just get the the Game Pass ultimate service. It's so amazing. There's so many great games on there. And plus with EA Play on it and Bethesda games eventually coming to it. And there's rumors that even more uh, companies are going to be flocking to it as well. Ubisoft is the latest one that we've kind of heard about. It's worth its money and then some sure. most definitely. Absolutely. I I did the um, I had two years worth of gold uh, saved up. And when they did the Xbox, the Game Pass Ultimate reveal and it was like a dollar to switch over. I did that and it turned all 24 months into 24 months of Game Pass Ultimate, which was incredible. Yeah, I purposely just bought it. I purposely had the Xbox to go with the game pass when that announcement came out, bought that service, got the dollar month, like you said, and been happy with it ever since. 
Um, another thing, too, that I will commend Microsoft for is this isn't the first time where they've made an announcement and flipped themselves within the same day. Uh, if you remember the Xbox One, when it was originally announced, how they mentioned that discs were basically CD keys. You throw it in, you install, and then you don't really need the CD ever again and how the console needed to be online only. They had this big announcement. People backlash. Sony made fun of them. And then the very next day they said, yeah, JK, we're going to change that. So I will give them credit when it's due because, like I said, this isn't the first time that they've heard the backlash from the fans, from the consumers, the people spending money on their devices and said, we need to make that angry mob go away and let's make them happy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like if they were Dr. Frankenstein and the angry mob came to destroy its monster, they would go, look, I'm sorry. The monster has been taken care of. That was my bad. I don't know what I was thinking. If you exit single file, there's party favors for all of you. Thank you. Please come again. <laughs> yeah. Exit through the gift shop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 10% well, off all purchases today only. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I'm glad this had a, a happy ending. It seemed a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, absurd. Um, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I almost just tweeted like, fuck, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand your business model kind of thing. But I was like, you know, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut because uh, I'm sure I've done and said stupid things. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to sit this one out for right now. Do you, okay. I know you're also a game pass subscriber like myself, but let's just envision game pass isn't a thing for this particular hypothetical and you only have Xbox Live Gold, would you continue your subscription knowing that your price point was going to jump up double? Ooh, that's a tough one. Probably not, at least until I knew that I had a pretty big commitment from all my friends that we were all going to do it. Um, but without that, then there would be real no need. I mean, I'm so knee deep in single player games that it's not the end of the world if I were to not play with friends anymore. But it would definitely be uh, a tough sell. Yeah. And another one of my friends brought up a really good point is even if you just because I even mentioned how, well, $120 for the entire year, but you're getting four free games out of it every single month. And the boy, was I egged at that particular moment. But a lot of my close friends had brought up, well, if you compare the free games you get from Microsoft versus the free games you get with PlayStation Plus, you're really not getting a good deal out of it in any way, shape or form. So that's another thing that I feel like could be ramped up as well are the free titles. But I'm also not going to spend too much time complaining about free stuff because they don't cost me a single additional thing and it's not worth the time or the effort. Right. <laughs> no, I agree. I, it's hard because like I feel like I always add the games to my library, whether it was plus or, or gold. I always add the games to my library, but I don't necessarily play them at least right away. I might when I'm bored or need something to do, see what games I have downloaded over the years or added to my library rather, and then give them a go. But so many times I just don't even bother. I'm, I'm so terrible at that. Like it, I, me personally, I'm not getting my value out of it because I'm not playing the games. It's amazing to go through my PlayStation plus library and see that I have 160 some odd games in there, but then realize like I don't, need or want to play any of these right now <laughs> right i know it's terrible and the ones that i did want to play i already have so it's like i'm okay with it yeah i actually have a lot of games that are now available on game pass and i was like shit 
wish I didn't buy that one. Wish I didn't buy that one. Wish I didn't buy that one. So um, I went through a long week struggle trying to find old hard drives, trying to find old install files, and trying to get my Mass Effect trilogy back up and running on my new PC that I built within the last year. It probably took me a good weekend to get everything to actually work and up and running and great. I'm happy. And then guess, you know, EA play coming to game pass the very next day. I'm like, Oh cool. I can just download all three of these right now and <laughs> right. make it much easier on myself. Right. Right. I know I, um, something similar is, was, uh, the dead space games. I'd never had all three of them on a single platform and so now that they're all on xbox i'm just like oh, i'm just gonna go through all three of these games <laughs> make it easier on myself instead of like hopping on my you know my xbox to my computer to like playstation kind of deal mm-hmm. too much trouble you know it's an interesting thing too um because i was reading about how uh, there's an article i read recently about disney plus netflix particularly disney plus like people would get the subscription watch the mandalorian and then they would cancel the subscription right off the bat because they just wanted to watch that one particular show. Uh, Netflix gets that a lot whenever certain series come out as well, or now the office has officially gone to Peacock. A lot of people canceled because that's the only reason they had that service. Uh, I am finding myself more and more. I have, I own Disney plus I have Netflix. I have Hulu. I have game pass. I have PlayStation plus I have Nintendo online. I have, all of these services where at the tip of my fingers, I can download a million different things for no extra cost. It's already imbued into that. Right. And yet I find myself consuming less and less content on a daily basis. And especially when I'm just like sitting in bed, ready to fall asleep, or I need something to kind of detox from the entire day. My ass just goes to YouTube and watches a video that I've already seen six, seven times (laughs) over and over again. Sure. Like, do you find yourself doing the same thing with all the, I mean, we literally have access to everything at the palm of our hands. You asked me this when I was six, seven years old, I would have just loaded my pants. Sure. And now it's to the point where like, I'm bored, but I have a million things I could be doing, but I don't want to do them because I'm still bored. Sure. I think that that's, that's a pretty normal problem to have. I think, uh, it's like when you go to a cheesecake factory and their menu is like a giant tome and you got to figure out what you want to eat. Whereas if you just went to some diner where you had three choices, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and that was it. And you see the pictures of them. <laughs> it's like way better. It's like, I can't, I can't make a decision. There's too much shit on here. I was uh, pitching this on geek legacy is I want a picture in picture mode for services like that to where I can just have something on that. I'm okay. Watching like on Hulu, I would just put on King of the Hill and then try and find something to watch sort of in the background. Mm-hmm. And I think that would make my life a lot easier because then I'm just not sitting in silence. I can spend an hour trying to find something to watch sometimes between all these different services. And it drives me insane. Whereas perhaps if I had something on in the background, I would, uh, it would do something to me mentally to where I'm still engaged. And then maybe I'll, it'll be easier for me to make a choice. No, I, I get what you're saying. Cause there's been a number of times my wife and I sit on the couch and go, want to watch a movie tonight? Sure. Open up Netflix. And we seemingly scroll through every single option that's available on Netflix (laughs) only to realize an hour and a half later, we haven't picked anything. So let's just watch reruns of some television show. Right. Complete time suck, man. It's terrible. And I think also just because of the quarantine that we're still in, like it's kind of sapping away any creative thoughts or freedoms. I know like there's been days where I've just felt zero 
motivation to do anything. And I'm sure a lot of people have felt the same way as well, just <laughs> with what we're in. Yeah. I mean, my, my game room is awesome, but there's only so much I can look at it before I realize I just want to stand outside for 20 minutes, get some fresh air, maybe walk to the corner and be done with it. Right. <laughs> no, I get it, man. And that's, that's the thing. Like, um, this pandemic did allow me to sort of go back to my backlog of video games and just start playing stuff that I forgot that I even had or hadn't opened yet, which is pretty cool. I, uh, I needed an excuse and this certainly gave me one, but when it comes to streaming services, it's torture for me to find something to watch. I just, I can't, I can't do it. I noticed that if, um, on my phone, logging into the app on my phone is a lot easier because it just, it cycles through everything faster and I'm able to just kind of add stuff to my list or my stuff mm-hmm. or whatever the app is, um, like the HBO, what is HBO max that app run, crawls on my TV and I can't stand it. So I just use my phone and I skip through everything. I find something I want to watch, add it to my stuff and then I turn on my TV and, and do it. Cause I feel like if I'm using my phone, then I'm in a much less comfortable position. I'm either sitting at my desk or whatever, and then I can move over to my TV and just start playing. So that's helped me make a decision faster. It's just using my phone before plopping on the couch and being lazy and just slowly going through whatever a thousand titles just doesn't work. Next time you open up the HBO max on your TV, uh, time yourself because here in our household, you can pour yourself one perfectly balanced iced tea with ice. By the time the app decides to respond again. <laughs> so it is slow on everyone, Stevie. Okay. Yep, it's terrible. It's awful. <laughs> yeah. On your phone, it's lightning quick. So go with your phone. <laughs> yeah, it is um, definitely, like you said, it's a crawl. It's <laughs> painful sometimes. And I don't know why, like I get overly agitated when apps stall like that Yeah. because just I'm in the age and the mode of, I expect it to work. And when it doesn't, I just like get pent up frustration. It's the worst. You're like, go, goddamn! <laughs> What's wrong with you? Yeah, you're just a bunch of ones and zeros. Seriously, and, and Netflix has got like the whole UI down. Like, I love that whole interface, and I like how smooth it is, how easy it is. Especially now that they don't have the trailers playing every five seconds. That was <laughs> yeah. always the worst. But I just hate how all the UIs are different, and it drives me insane. Yeah, I definitely like how Netflix has their own. Like, oh, these are our original programs, and how they like full screen those. That's kind of cool. Uh, rank them what's most popular mm-hmm. that's always good too that's always neat i like how disney plus just has everything at the forefront that app does lag here and there but i do especially like how if i go to the star wars section all the movies are in order or oh you only want to watch you know like like the clone wars cartoon series that one is pretty awesome how do you want to watch the entire clone wars series or do you just want to watch the 10 episodes that summarize the entire saga up and it has all that stuff lined up ready to go for you on a whim. Nice. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. And on Marvel it breaks it down by phase one, phase two. Here's all these movies. We need that so, for video games. Yeah, right. I need, I need my video games to tell me which games to play. <laughs> it's pretty hard. Cause I mean, game pass, that library has gotten pretty big. Mm-hmm. And if you click on a to Z, you're going to have the Netflix problem where you're just like, what do I want to play? What do I want to play? There's nothing here. It sucks. It's like, dude, there's a hundred games in front of your face and you can't find something to play. <laughs> I no joke. I do that once a month. I go A to Z list, show me all games. And I scroll through every single one of them just to see what's on there. And the last time I did it, that's when the mass effect games came out. It's like great downloading these three. So I can eventually go back and replay 
the entire nice. franchise. Although I kind of want to skip one because it's fun, but it's definitely not two. Sure. I, I would redo one when it's like remastered or whatever. Yeah, that's my thought too, is because the remastered versions are coming out later this year and I'm debating if I want to start playing them again on Game Pass or just wait for that because that's also going to have all the DLC and uh, bonus content. Whereas yeah. the Game Pass versions, I think, are just the base games and don't have don't include any of the DLC. I, see, I don't know, because I feel like that was one of the perks of Game Pass was that it did include the DLC on stuff, but I could be mistaken. It depends on the version um, because at least the way I looked at it and I could have been wrong or misunderstood it, but because it was just the base Mass Effect 2 and not like a re-release or anything like that. Gotcha. There, Obviously, when you go to the page, you can see all the available DLC that was there. Um, a lot of it is still like $10, $15, which kind of baffles me because yeah, this game weird. is tw- 11 years old at this point. Um, but that's the other thing with Game Pass that is kind of a, I don't even say a letdown. That, like we were talking about, it's all free and available and I'm still mad at stuff. But that's the one thing that is a little interesting is how a lot of those games don't include the DLC, but some of them are discounted. So I guess that's kind of cool. Yeah. And I think if, if something is available on game pass, then you do get a discounted price uh, from the store, the Microsoft mm-hmm. store, which is nice. So I'll take it. Again, I shouldn't be upset by these things, but for some reason I find myself being upset. <laughs> Dude, I started playing FIFA 20 last night. Someone that I haven't played soccer since I was like eight and I was having the time of my life. <laughs> Crazy. Man, I think the last soccer game I played was like a PlayStation 1 title. And it came in one of those like gigantic like VHS boxes. Sure. For whatever reason. Man. Yeah, I was having a good time. That's funny, man. I used to play it all the time for whatever reason. I also downloaded. Uh, I think it was NHL 20. I don't remember. It was on Game Pass, though. But whatever the highest numbered. NHL game it was available. This <laughs> 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 is the one I downloaded. Yeah, I, I think 20 is the newest one. I think that one um, just got put on Game Pass recently as well because of EA Play. I also right. downloaded that one. So be checking yeah. that out at some point. Give it a go. Yeah. It'll be saves me $60 every single year in buying sports games. I know, right? Comes in handy. Comes in handy. Any model going to change. But anyway, diff- different time. Different time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're. Probably not, no, because everyone buys them. I mean, that's EA's bread and butter, right? Is like their their annual sports games. I feel like they can just do that and still make billions of dollars and people yeah. would still buy them. Oh, man, I did download Battlefield 5 or V or whatever you want to call it for victory. I was not <laughs> into it at all. <laughs> I, I gave it the old Cavender try and I was like, well, can't wait to never play this game again. <laughs> So you got to the start menu, you played it for five minutes and said, no, thank you. No, I did the tutorial and the first mission. I was like, this game's not good. I'm going <laughs> to stop. Wow, oh, first mission. That's farther than you usually go. I know, right? It's like lame. I'll play some FIFA. We played Dead by Daylight and you barely lasted uh, your character loading in before you were done. With oh, that I game. know. I was like, this game sucks. <laughs> I have a fun video of me chasing the monster, though. I think I think Stephen Alvawood was the bad guy and I'm just following him. (laughs) He didn't know. (laughs) It's pretty great. And it's crazy how much faster that guy moves than we do. Mm -hmm. I don't like that at all. That's terrible. At least it's not the Friday, the 13th game where Jason literally just teleports wherever he wants. Yeah. Now we're talking. 
cheating BS right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it's pretty easy to get murdered in those games. Speaking of which, speaking of murder, Capcom premiered their first gameplay from Resident Evil Village, the eighth, the eighth main entry in the survival horror franchise during its Resident Evil showcase on Thursday, giving fans a glimpse at the direct sequel to Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. Did you watch the showcase? I did, actually. I was in the middle of recording a lot of videos because it was at two o'clock on Thursday and that just didn't work out for me to watch it live. <laughs> but it appears that uh, Village will be heavily influenced by another game in the franchise, the beloved Resident Evil 4, which you and I have purchased multiple times based on its setting characters and inventory system. It is uh, very familiar and akin to Resident Evil 4. The whole Eastern European Count Dracula vibe. <laughs> You're just going to die every step of the way. Count Dracula uh, light <laughs> I don't with like Napoleon. That. Uh, so while Village will retain the first-person perspective of Resident Evil 7 and its protagonist, Ethan Winters, the sequel is a, is dripping, we're talking snail trails, with Resident Evil 4 vibes. From its village setting to its quirky in-game merchant. So as you mentioned, a couple of highlights here. The first-person view, which I think is a, a big win for Resident Evil. The old tank control styles and stationary cameras could be very, very frustrating. While the game itself looks beautiful, I know that I often got irritated when I had to sort of do weird half circles with my analog sticks to get around a plant. <laughs> or when I had to when I had to hit something. left to go forward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was always annoying. <laughs> I hate that shit. So anyway, there's that. Inventory the inventory system is similar to Resident Evil 4. Uh, you are able to block to prevent damage from uh, you know projectiles and zombie bites. The merchant character returns named the Duke, which is also Randy Van Dyke's sort of quasi nickname from us. <laughs> the Duke. <laughs> uh, there is an exclusive demo called Maiden, which was released on the PS5, and it is a separate story from Resident Evil 8. While it has the same setting, it is definitely a different time. Uh, Resident Evil Village will be released in May and Capcom confirmed last gen consoles uh, will get a version for both PS4 and Xbox One. So that is exciting. PlayStation 5 owners can download uh, the exclusive Resident Evil Village demo now. Again, it is called Maiden. And what's cool about this is, let's see, I had some fun little notes here. The Maiden demo doesn't take place during the main story of Resident Evil Village. Maiden was originally designed as a visual demo that would allow you to explore the inside of the castle, but it evolved to include a short story and some puzzle solving. So there you have it. Uh, and also, you will not be able to block when you are doing the demo. You're unable to fight or block. So basically, you are just running for your god dang life. So good luck with that. If you scare easy, this uh, could prove to be a bit of a uh, fear factor for you. And I hope and pray for you to survive. Think of uh, some serious PT vibes. Yes. Just jumping into something and you're, you know, wear a diaper. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, there is Resident Evil Reverse, which is a new competitive multiplayer game that is included with Village. And for all you Division 2 fans out there, Ubisoft has partnered with Capcom and the Division 2 is getting Resident Evil themed cosmetics. And one of the coolest things about the Division 2 is the cosmetics. I like I like the cowboy hats. As someone that is not a cowboy, I sure like the sport cowboy hats quite a bit. <laughs> Whether it's Call of Duty, 
my order vision. I'm rocking the <laughs> cowboy hat. I'll do my best. Yeah. So uh, two other things to come with this as well. Justin, you mentioned Resident Evil Reverse, a new multiplayer deathmatch type game um, that was announced during the same showcase. It will come for it will come alongside with Resident Evil Village uh, for free in May. Um, so there's that. Players will battle each other in third person as popular characters such as Jill Valentine, Claire Redfield, Leon Kennedy, uh, Nemesis, Hunk, Chris Redfield, Ada Wong, and Jack Baker in a combat arena that appears to be based on the Raccoon City Police Department from 2018's Resident Evil 2 remake. Uh, There's also AI-controlled monsters that are in there as well. So just, you know, there was that other Resident Evil multiplayer game that we kind of briefly talked about and just all said meh so sounds like they're just trying to revitalize that a little bit with more popular characters and then we mentioned re4 a lot a favorite of both of ours and as you mentioned own it on eh, probably every single console that i have here in this room (laughs) at least once but it also sounds like that there is a resident evil 4 remake coming out at some point as uh capcom has decided to partially reboot the remake of it uh, with a change in development leadership after disagreements over its direction. Uh, VGC reporting that per sources core resident evil studio Capcom division one has taken the lead on the project with original developer M2 seeing its role reduced. And these could apparently lead to a 2023 release date. Ooh. What comes out next? Um, the next installment to final fantasy seven or Resident <laughs> Evil 4 remake. Oh, I am. Oof. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one, especially because apparently Final Fantasy 7 remake is getting remade again for the PlayStation 5 and PC. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I know it? <laughs> I should say remake. It's getting um, remastered. Sure. For those devices. <laughs> but. Ooh. And and I guess a follow up question. Do you think that they. <laughs> Do you think that they will make a a second installment available? Let's just fast forward. It's 2023. Do they make a PS4 version for this game or do they just move on and say, fuck it? Everyone has a PS5 by now. You know, I wonder if that's partially why it's going to take forever for us to hear about <laughs> part two is the whole like, well, let's just wait for the adoption rate to go up a little bit and then we can say it's a PS5 and Xbox Series X exclusive type of sure. thing. And, and it comes with both segments. I bet it yeah, comes exactly. with the first and second. <laughs> we got this ultra Blu-ray that can fit <laughs> four games on one disc. Scandalous. Man, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Final Fantasy 7 is going to eventually make its way to every single PlayStation console yep. <laughs> one way or the other. <laughs> What can you do? Yeah. So uh, after seeing this showcase, how your excitement level for Resident Evil Village has it gone up? Has it gone down? Stay the same? Yeah, you know, um, I'm pretty excited for it. I know I'm going to play it. I know I'm going to be scared. And uh, there's so many sales going on right now for uh, past Resident Evil games. And I'm kind of driven to just play the ones that I never played, like Revelations and Revelations 2. Um, so it. I am on board the hype train. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I think uh, seven is still on Game Pass, or at least I have it installed it somewhere. It on is. one of my devices. I really need to go back and check that out. Oh, my God. The first like five minutes, man. It's so intense. <laughs> this is lopping off limbs and it gets, <laughs> it gets scary. I don't like it. 
I, that that's like my favorite collector's edition of all time though is the is the biohazard one and it came with the, the house and it's a music box and it came with this awesome like uh lithograph photo of them at the dinner table and it's so badass there's a, like a like a necrotic severed finger that's uh flash drive which is really cool it's just a and it's, there's like this vhs tape because <laughs> it's just <laughs> crazy i don't know man it's uh it's intense it is a really really cool collector's edition yeah i've i've really enjoyed how resident evil has gone back to more classic horror um i think the first person view really loans itself well to this franchise because you're just trying to take everything in versus say like resident evil 4 or even the recent remakes where you're kind of just staring at the backside of your character the entire time and just kind of following along with them so I, I mean, I definitely am more excited uh, after seeing this showcase. The game looks like it's going to be equal parts terrifying, but there's probably going to be some, you know, typical Resident Evil kind of cheesy horror sure. sort of situation. Maybe a joke thrown in there. Um, they showed off not the entire duration of it, but a puzzle or two. And because everything's in first person, obviously you have to pay more attention to the details and the surroundings. So I am most definitely excited for this. Absolutely. And everyone's in love with the big lady. Mm-hmm. Miss Vampire Mom. Yeah. And then there's like like the meth mouth daughter with the bloodstained <laughs> lipstick all over the place. Yeah, people have gone so far as to say that a vampire lady can step on them and they would say, thank you. May I please <laughs> yeah. have another? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. There's uh, something for everyone, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that's what you want to call it. <laughs> 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 it's certainly something for everyone. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. Oh, well, what can you do? Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Vicarious Visions, the studio that developed Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy and the remake for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 have been reassigned within Activision Blizzard, according to GamesIndustry.biz. Moving forward, the studio's team of about 200 people will now be, quote, fully dedicated to existing Blizzard games and initiative, end quote. That means for any games Vicarious Visions works on in the future, it will not serve as the lead development studio uh quote after collaborating with vicarious visions for some time and developing a great relationship blizzard realized there was an opportunity for vv to provide long-term supports a blizzard spokesperson told games industry biz Uh, the studio did not specify what projects that they would be providing support for currently as blizzard is currently working on three titles uh diablo and I'm sorry, an ARPG hack and slash mobile game, Diablo Mortal, in addition to the sequels to Diablo and Overwatch. But on Friday evening, just yesterday, as of this recording, it uh, has been announced that unofficially, officially, Vicarious Visions is working on the new Diablo 2 remake. Ooh. So I guess. So how do you view that? You're, you're your own company. You're your own island. You're your own person. You can do whatever you want. Your Crash Bandicoot, Insane Trilogy, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, both of which were very well received with everybody. Uh, Vicarious Visions also did the Forsaken expansion of Destiny, which is probably the most recent expansion that everyone in that franchise loves and actually wants to go back to. Only for Blizzard to come over and say, yeah, you're ours now and you're going to work on the stuff that we tell you. Kind of losing your creative freedom there. But at the same time, you're working on Diablo 2. That's not a slouch of a game right there. Right. I mean, I think that's 
it's going to be tough because Diablo 2 is sort of that crown jewel for so many Diablo players out there. And I remember there was this interview that I overheard or that I listened to rather. It was with Ryan McCaffrey and he, I, I forget which of the designers he was speaking to. I don't remember if it was David Brevik or, or Stig Hudland or whom, but they were saying that one of the reasons why it worked so good was just because of the technology that they had it on and the allowed the amount of frames that were allowed to be shown at one time. And um, there were so many other factors as to why that game is going to be so hard to recreate. So that's part of the reason why it hasn't been remade is just because it was a perfect storm for the technology that was available at the time. And it would be near impossible to recreate. So they definitely have their hands full considering so many people love Diablo two and to be able to, to recreate that magic is going to be a tough sell for those elitist types, but I wish them all the luck in the world. I feel like that's a similar vibe to when any legend of Zelda game gets remade because part of like Ocarina of time is a game that I feel like is universally loved and adored and rightfully so it's a fantastic title even going back to the old N64 blocky graphics and how choppy that game can be. Like you said, it took advantage of technologies at the time that we didn't realize could exist or could happen. Playing it today for a new person, they might say, yeah, this is really rough, blah, blah, blah. But when it got remade for the 3DS, it still captured that memory, that nostalgia feeling of like, I'm exploring this grand world for the first time all all over again. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Best of luck to you. It's your problem now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I hope it's a success. I know that there are still people today that, that play Diablo too. It's like it never went away. And so I I do know that there is a a fan base for it. There is a want for it, a need for it. And I hope it's successful. Yeah. Vicarious Visions uh, also has kind of a their own track history obviously the skylanders uh games guitar hero i think they were involved if with every single guitar hero release that ever came out marvel ultimate alliance 2 um x-men legends to rise of the apocalypse they did oh man i love the x-men legend games those, those games so are badass. so much fun they also were involved in doom 3 way back when remember that one that didn't have a yeah. flashlight yeah that was scary that was rough oh my goodness yeah i mean they have they do have a quite a big track record did you mention destiny because i know that you're a destiny Mm -hmm. player yes yeah they were on the forsaken expansion as like a support team for bungie at the time i think that was also the first time activision basically said we're peacing out or bungie said get out of here we're done with you oh kind of funny how that comes all first full circle Right. Remember that time when you told us to go fuck ourselves? <laughs> <laughs> well, now we're unfucking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. My goodness. Yeah, they've been around a long time since 1996. I know. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> Holy smokes. I wonder how many original team members they have. Well, the good news is as it states in the press release, the 200 people team at Vicarious Visions are all moving to Blizzard. So it's more of an acquisition. Um, 
thankfully no one's getting cut because that's obviously really tough. And as not that we know from firsthand, but as we know from talking about this and doing this show for so long, anytime that somebody is fired or leaves their job at a game studio, it's pretty difficult to get a replacement because, you know, you don't need as much as some companies do. You don't need 16,000 people developing bushes and wind physics and things like that on your game. Hmm. Did you notice on their Wikipedia page, there was a, there's a canceled game section. And one of those is call of duty Roman wars. I did see that as well. I have never even heard of this. There's always a million YouTube videos on, on this game. And it would literally take place in ancient Rome. And I am so intrigued and I can't, I can't wait to watch these videos. <laughs> I had no idea that this was a thing back in 2008. Holy smokes. Yeah. Can you imagine I, that breaking the world war two mold only to go <laughs> to ancient yeah. Rome? <laughs> what sword do you have equipped? Oh, <laughs> can I get a scope on my sword? Oh man, that would be nuts. I am, you know, that I would have been intrigued. a game I would have checked out, though. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been wild enough for me to say, I want to buy that. Totally. Holy shit. I, I, I swear I'd never heard of this before, and I can't wait to watch these videos. I am intrigued. Just like how I bought a game about the American Civil War that was produced and distributed by the History Channel. It was <laughs> one of the worst things I've ever done. Thankfully, it was only like $4 at... GameStop, so I didn't lose much. Right, right. Yeah, good luck with that. Holy smokes. <laughs> <laughs> it was also really um I'll try I think this was it this one? The History Channel Civil War Nation Divided. I think this was it. Um it was also quite eye-opening because after about two hours of playing the game, I realized, oh, this is heavily from the south side and <laughs> I don't think I like this. <laughs> yeah, that's no good. Although it was pretty awesome because as soon as I popped the game, it was like, I wonder if I'm going to have to like fire a gun and then never be able to shoot ever again. Right. But no, your guy apparently just carries like 17 muskets. Right. You know, that's interesting because when you play like the modern, what is it? Um, like Call of Duty games or Medal of Honor when they first came out in World War Two, and it's like, you're fighting for the Nazis. And I remember even thinking, well, that's kind of weird. Like my first time playing, like I didn't look at, is it like team one or team two or team A, team B? It was, I'm a Nazi killing Americans or whatever. That's Mm -hmm. kind of a, that's a weird sell. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like, I want to be on the Axis side. Like you do. (laughs) Why? (laughs) It's like, Whoa, easy there guy. They have better weapons. Like, hang on now. (laughs) (laughs) Some shit ain't flying here. I ain't ain't cool with this. If this were Star Wars, I would agree with you. (laughs) Because the Empire's got way cooler shit than the Rebels. Rebels got bargain basement equipment and vehicles. (laughs) (laughs) Rocks and glass. (laughs) Whereas the Empire's got the big bunny, the big bucks. (laughs) But anyway. My goodness. Well, yeah, good luck to them. Vicarious visions. Yeah, I mean, again, you're on one hand, you're losing your creative freedom and they definitely were starting to ramp up again. Crash Bandicoot and the Tony Hawk pro skater 
one and two remakes were very well received and both sold very well from what I remember seeing. Um, but you're going to work on Diablo two. And as you said, that could easily just be a trap because so many people hold that game in such high regard. Um, it might not even necessary. Yes. To your point, because that game was so groundbreaking at the time, but it's also like the nostalgic feeling that people have when they play these games for the very first time. Uh, Cause I can tell you there's a number of games that I played in my childhood that at the time just made me feel great. Like I'm on this grand adventure, but I try to replay it as an adult. I'm like, yeah, this is a lot slower than I remember, but it's more so just that feeling of euphoria and fun and like just forgetting who you are for a couple of hours. Sure. It really makes a difference. So it says here that in January 2005, Vicarious Visions was acquired by publisher Activision. So, I mean, they've been sort of their go to guys for making all these amazing games for so long. But I mean, you're right. I mean, as far as the creative freedom goes with recreating a game that's already existed, you know, now they're going to have to put their own little spin on it. And in doing so, that's what's going to drive people crazy. <laughs> it's time a to different dig, time to, Yeah, time to dig through the Reddit feeds and see if you could improve this game, what would you fix? <laughs> it's the difference of you're living on your own, but I'm still giving you $200 a month for groceries versus you're living under my roof and lights out at nine. Right, right. Yeah. Can't have no boys or girls over either. Well, as long as they don't do what CD Projekt Red did with uh, Cyberpunk, I think they'll be okay. Yeah, no kidding. But then, I mean, thinking about it, let's just say that they make technical improvements and gameplay improvements. People might even go so far as to say, well, the original was harder. The original was better. You're making this too easy. You're making this for casuals. And that could be frustrating. I don't know how many. I know that. I don't know how many casuals today are playing Diablo 2. You have to be pretty hardcore to go back and and relive those those glory days. But I I see no problem with improving on something. Maybe it was just limitations that didn't allow them to make those those gameplay choices back then. Quality of life uh, fixes type of thing. (laughs) Yeah. Curious. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I. I think anytime a game gets remade, those quality of life changes are huge. Um, Cause again, I mentioned Ocarina of time uh, remake recently. And the one thing that was really great was on the 3ds, you can switch between iron boots and regular boots with the touch of your D pad. It didn't assign itself to like a regular item, nor did you have to go to the start menu every 10 seconds. Right. So for particular, the water temple, it was a much better experience than, all right, I got to pause takes a second. Scroll over, equip these boots, exit out, let myself sink to the bottom. Okay, cool. Pause. Wait a second. Scroll a couple of pages. Take these off. Do it again. Rinse, repeat four more times. Right, right. And then like, <clears throat> excuse me, um, like with Wind Waker on GameCube, you were sailing for two weeks. And then when they <laughs> remastered it, it was a much shorter journey. Now, do you appreciate the shorter journey in sailing or are you mad? Like, oh, I had to sail for... For fucking three months and and now other people don't know how terrible that is and they're getting off easy. What is your approach on that? No, I loved it. I absolutely loved it, Um, especially because uh, just watching some like deep dive YouTube videos, apparently in the original Wind Waker, there are a couple of like unused item slots for different sales. Uh, Presumably they would have like sped your ship up or made you like teleport to certain areas a little bit more. 
direct. So I'm always in favor of if there's an element of a game that could have been improved on and you make those tweaks in future remakes, or whatever the case is. Fantastic. That's all I necessarily need out of that. Because again, it just makes the experience better. And I don't care about the old school feeling of, well, I had to uh, Final Fantasy seven. I had to take the disc out, put the other disc in, <laughs> right. wait 20 minutes to load and transition. Like that's great. And I still have those memories from when I was a kid, sure. but this is better. <laughs> this is yeah. way better. And that goes back to limitations, right? Like, I mean, they just exactly. weren't able to fit it, fit it all on a disc. So, and the limitations could also just be, here's a new console that we've only worked with for six months and we're going to develop a title for it. And we still don't know how to take full advantage of said particular console. I mean, you look at like uncharted, the original uncharted, which came out, roughly around the same time that the PlayStation three launched. And then you look at say like the last of us or, um, God of war three, like a game that came out towards the end of the cycle. And you just think like, these are two vastly different products. And it's mostly because the developers have time to work with it a little bit more. Right. Hmm. I'll take it. It's not like it's George Lucas remaking all the Star Wars movies and adding dumb shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes there's too much. Yeah. Oh. For Lucas, it's always too much. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I really wanted this before, but, you know, couldn't do it. Now God, especially how <laughs> in, I still can't get over how this was decided. It was okay, but in the, A New Hope, there's the clip where Obi-Wan and or Ben Kenobi and Luke are in the speeder and they're going to the cantina and just walking right in front of your screen is this giant CGI monster that takes up. It's just like, excuse me, can you move the camera over a little bit? You're in the shot. It's like, why? Yep. <laughs> I don't get it to immerse you, Stephen. Immerse. immerse me the hell away. <laughs> Yeah, you mean like a squirt bottle. It's like, yeah. It's no. like you could have just done that in the background and it would have right. been fine, you know? <laughs> he needed it there, all right? Or at least just have like, I don't know, two people walk through it. At least that would have been a little better. <laughs> Instead, you literally just had this giant monster take up the frame for a solid like four seconds. It makes no sense. Yeah, down in front. Exactly. What can you do? Oh, well, uh, do you have anything else to add? I do not. Other than if uh, I jumped back on the Final Fantasy online train. So if anyone wants to join me, you're more than welcome to. It's my new guilty pleasure. I shouldn't say guilty pleasure. I'm actually really enjoying the game. It's my new obsession. There you go. I'm obsessed with Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I got... Um, I got my PlayStation five coming this upcoming week. I've got Spider-Man and Assassin's Creed coming and I am most excited. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. And I am going to spend the next day and a half reorganizing my entertainment unit so I can find a way to fit that behemoth in here. Yeah, it's a monster. I was trying to find a photo that I saw. Uh, somebody has the exact same entertainment unit that I have, which I think was just bought from Ikea for you know 50 bucks, whatever, something cheap like that. But Somebody got the PlayStation five, like, look guys, it's, it's part of my entertainment unit. And it's like wedged in at an angle. It doesn't even fit in the slides, like half sticking <laughs> out. It's so hilarious. That's right. I had to bring an end table over 
to the side of my entertainment center for my Series X. I just wanted it to be able to breathe. So now it just sits on the end table next to my TV. So I also have an end table for when I bought the Xbox One that sits up there and I have my uh, internet router down below. I think what I'll do is I'll put the router in one of the cubby holes, move some wires around, and the PlayStation and the Xbox will sit in that little tower. They'll be the twin towers. Perfect. It'll be amazing. It'll be glorious. And I'll patent pending. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I can't wait for it to arrive and you to play. And I would recommend playing, since everyone in our Discord channel has now played, well, sort of you and Rob have played Assassin's Creed. I would just start with Miles Morales. (laughs) Then you'd be the only one out of all of us that have ever played it. (laughs) Yeah, and I hear that uh, it's not a long game, Miles Morales, because it is supposed to be like a segue of some sort and we talked about that on previous shows before as well so i'll probably start with that anyway just because yeah. it'll be a quick adventure there you go i tried to have a quick adventure on bahala and it was still a 65 hour game <laughs> <laughs> there's no such thing as a quick adventure in assassin's creed games you know I that know. Well, well black flag there is i felt like i mean i love that game and, and it's 20 hours i'm done and this was this was not that. <laughs> it was just awesome. so much story. I'm like, fuck, just go. Oh my God. You literally traverse over all of England and it is brutal. See, that's funny because like Assassin's Creed 1, I beat the story and I was satisfied. That was it. I didn't want to go back past that. Um, the Ezio trilogy to Brotherhood and Revelations, I picked up every rock that I could just mm-hmm. exploring it. And it was partially just because those games were, I thought were significantly better than what one did. Three came out again, beat the story. I was done with it. Never went back. And then black flag came out and boy, I discovered every sea shanty. I fought every shark. Um, I didn't fight all the historical, like ghost ships that were all over the place. Cause those got really, really tough, but I played the hell out of that game. Yeah. I mean, and that's fine. I just wanted to be done with the story. 20 hours sooner that's all like i it didn't need to be a 60 hour game for me it could have easily been a 35 or 40 and i would have felt fulfilled uh i can i understand and respect people that want to dedicate 200 hours to uncovering every nook and cranny and that's fabulous but when you're just trying to have a a narrative that just kind of goes smoothly it, it never ended. It was just going and going and going and going. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my God, I've made like four kings now and I've I've ravaged this land and I've partnered with this guy, partnered with that guy, saved these people, saved those people. And there's there's nothing left. Let's just go. And then when that finally happened, I was like, oh, thank God, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> kind of sounds like a Grand Theft Auto type of vibe, though, because like obviously the story missions you can play at your own leisure and those eventually branch off into other ones, but there's so many side quests collectibles, all kinds of other things, random encounters right. that you can discover. Um, it's curious. That should be something that we ask our uh, followers. Maybe just like, when do you know you're going to play this game until the disc literally melts in your console? Like what's that threshold of, okay, I'm going to 100% the crap out of this thing two or three times over. Or like, I just want to get through the story and be done with it. Or no, that's it. I'm done. What's your threshold? Yeah. I don't know, man. And and, and this game has a lot to offer. I mean, there's something for everyone and no two experiences are going to be the same. And I think that that's incredible. I just felt like it was dragged out. I would have rather been done with the story at 40 hours and then spent the last 60 hours 
uncovering everything and getting all the super weapons and fighting all the mythical creatures and things of that nature versus trying to go as fast as I can to get through a 60 hour story. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So we shall see. And like, cause like Skyrim, two different games. Right. But I mean, I, I can do the quests when I want to, but I was also drawn into this other world where I wanted to see what other stuff was. I never got that with Valhalla. Everyone else did, but I didn't. Everyone else wanted to go check out this village over there, see what this weird anomaly was over here. But I didn't have any of that in my mind. I was like, nope, just got to go, go, go. Okay. So I have a, my thought on that is because I felt the exact same way about like, breath of the wild i just i felt like if i spent 400 hours playing this game and uncovering everything i was going to do it same thing with skyrim every time i play it i just get this urge of i want to explore every landmark and clear every landmark and do everything that i can and i think it's because those games and there's many others obviously like it they don't put pressure on you to go through the linearity of the story like i've seen People play Breath of the Wild and they literally go to Ganon in 30 seconds. They're shirtless link with a tree branch and saying, I'm here. Let's fight. What's up? Right. <laughs> Whereas people like me go through every possible encounter, get all the upgrades and I'm ready when I'm ready. But then in Skyrim, it's kind of the same thing because like I'm technically still on the story mission where I have to go talk to the Greybeards, which is relatively early early yeah, in the game. Sure. Um, but I also just completed my 100th side quest and I'm approaching level 40. <laughs> so that's like, why they have gray beards they've been waiting for you for a exactly <laughs> i want to make them true to their name at this point yeah. but it's like that's a game where it says okay cool go do this oh but there's a dragon over there and i'm gonna go run over there and do that thing sure no i know and that's and that's great and i i don't necessarily know if there's a whole lot of pressure in valhalla but maybe i gave myself that pressure you know i was trying to be done with it before cyberpunk came out so i wanted to just go 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 and the I never saw a finish line. And even when I beat the game, there was no credits. And I was like, <laughs> fuck, this has been the most unrewarding experience in my entire life. And then the very next game I played was Dark Souls. And as soon as I the first one, anyway, after I beat it, I had never felt that sort of like a sense of accomplishment or like a jubilation when it was over. I was like, holy shit, man, I did it. And the ending, like the final video wasn't even all that like mesmerizing, but it didn't have to be because I beat the game and I felt like so just incredible. I was like, oh my God, I can take on the whole empire myself. And this is great. And then with uh, Dark Souls 3, it, it was a much more fun experience and it was a little bit more linear and it sort of set you on the right path from the, from the beginning. And I've played through that game now three times and I want to do it on a, for a fourth. And I, I can't explain it. I don't know what's come over me, but my taste in video games has just changed so much in this last year. It's, it's insane. One thing that's also great and having I don't know how long it was before I played Skyrim last, um, but I recently booted up the last couple of weeks, been playing it again, really enjoying it, just getting lost in the lore and everything again. But one thing that I totally forgot about that game is it does not hold your hand a, a whole lot. Aside from the very beginning when the dragon comes, burns everything and you're trying to run away and you have to make the decision of who I'm going to run away with at this point, it doesn't really tell you how to play the game past that. And again, Breath of the Wild is another prime example is you wake up, 
run here. Okay. Pick this up. Okay. Use your sword. Okay. Now figure it out. Like, wait a sec. Wait, hold on. (laughs) That's all you're giving me. No map, no directions, no nothing. And there's so many other games out there. Like even Grand Theft Auto is kind of guilty of this, but they should get a pass because everything else is so perfect about it. I feel like you'll be 30, 40 hours into the game and a tutorial still might pop up because maybe you didn't experience it soon enough or it's been so long and the game's just trying to tell you how to play again. So it's one of those things where just I want to play the game the way I want to. I don't need you telling me how to do it. I just want to do it. Right. And Dark Souls does that for sure, Uh, especially the first one. You can and you can make mistakes and you're going to have to you'll find out sooner or later that you made a wrong choice, (laughs) whether it was uh, how you spent your talent points or maybe the direction that you went in and the room was far more deadlier than you thought it was going to be, or you lost all your souls because you were careless, or maybe you just got stuck on something. You know, there are these charming little glitches in that game as well, but um, the, the amount of frustration can really uh, take hold in the souls games. And I can appreciate that. And again, once I beat it, I was like, dude, I'm done. I can retire. (laughs) I mean, sure. People beat the game in like five minutes now, but you know, it took me 45 hours and after it was over, I felt like I was just the greatest video gamer of all time. That's pretty remarkable. And that's all you need. Yeah. And I got credits. unlike Valhalla. Uh, for the record, in case you were wondering, I think the world record for a Skyrim completion is like 20 minutes. Oh, nice. I'm still like hanging out with, people at the beginning of the game in 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm having a conversation with that guy on the path that we just escaped with. <laughs> oh man, the um the assassin's guild, the one where like you get the quest oh, yeah. from the mother and the coffin and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Brotherhood. again, yes, exactly. So again, not remembering where I was in the game, I thought I still had to do those missions. Mm-hmm. And I must have done 10 or 12 of those assassination missions that they asked of me. I was like, okay, when does this quest ever end? Because it's also like the same thing over and over again. Go to look at it. It's like, oh, yeah, these just repeat endlessly. You're like, oh, well, that's good to know. Yeah, eventually they have you go kill like the king or whatever. You got to hop on his little boat in the ocean and then you murder him. I might have done that. I'm assuming I've done that already because I'm literally at the point where I just go in. I get a quest. I go and it's like one of two things. I either have to stalk somebody and find out what they're about or just straight up murder them. I come back, rinse, repeat, keep doing it over and over again. Yeah. So you get, there's this one, two, three, four. So there's four different subcategories of the, Hey, go kill this guy. Hey, go kill that guy. And it's one, two, three. So three, five, eight, and 12. So there's 12 people that you have to kill that are contracts. And then it goes on to uh, where you got to go and assassinate like that, that queen lady. And then uh, eventually you work your way all the way down and honor thy family is the last quest. So yeah, it's been a while. Might have yeah. done that. Might not have. It's okay. It is okay. But yeah, it's creepy. And there's like that one weirdo jester dude that. Oh, like, Cicero. Talks. I can't yeah, stand Cicero. Him. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh, I can't. So gives awesome. me the creeps. Love it. Anywho. You know, if uh, when you if you ever play the game again, when when the nice lady captures you and then she makes you choose which of the three captors to kill, 
she's just kind of sitting up on like the rafters. You can just like murder her and then you don't have to deal with the Dark Brotherhood anymore. <laughs> That's one way to do it. Yeah. I choose door number four. Yeah. <laughs> like Pikachu, I choose you. So good luck with that. So anyway, well, thank you for listening to another fun and festive episode of the Pixelated Podcast. Remember to check out the other podcasts that we have on our little network. There is the Geek Legacy Podcast, as well as the Don't Be Crazy Podcast. So much fun to be had between our three shows. And I hope you check them out. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app. In the meantime, you can also follow at Pixelated Pod on the Twitter there, as well as at Stephen K. James and at Edgy Armo. We love talking video games. Remember to keep those controllers charged and treat all gamers with respect. Thank you so much. <laughs>